All right, we're going to be in 1 Timothy this morning. 1 Timothy. And while you're turning there, let me say a couple of things. Something that's kind of been on my mind, something that was on my mind this past week during revival, and just an observation that I've made. Uh, it's really hard to judge what's going on in this church by listening to the congregational singing because this church really is exceptional at singing very loud during the congregational singing. That's, that's, that's just a fact. I haven't been in too many churches that sing as loud as this one, and I, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Uh, and usually when you go to churches, you can, you can somewhat tell what's going on in a church by how loud they sing. But I, I'm really beginning to question my own judgment in that regard as far as being able to assess what's going on in this church by that one. But I will say this, I have noticed this past week, and this is between you and the Lord is all I'm going to tell you. What I've, known, what I've noticed this past week is every time somebody stands up and shouts, it's almost like there's, an aggrieved, there's a grieved spirit that kind of settles over the place. And I don't know what that's about, uh, but if you grieved at the fact that folks shout and praise the Lord, something's really wrong. Uh, there, there's not, you know, there's not, that's, that's not supposed to be. This ought to be a place of liberty. Now, if folks were standing up and speaking in tongues and folks was, you know, running around and, you know, being crazy and being indecent. I'm not against folks running the aisles. I, I'm not against that just so long as you're not harming people while you're doing it. I've, I've seen that happen before, and it wasn't intentional, but just be mindful about that stuff. But, man, if God moves you to do something, do it, man. Uh, you don't have to have an altar call to come to an altar. And, and listen, those of you that have come to this church, you know that this is not a church that tries to drive things emotionally. And what I mean by that is I, don't, I really don't try to stand up here and work something up. Uh, but it really does break my heart, and it really f makes me feel very uncomfortable when folks do begin to praise the Lord, and they do begin to lift their hand. And there's just a, it's almost like the wind gets sucked out of this room. And I believe what might be going on is that some of you are under conviction. Because you won't do that. God's dealt with you about doing that. And listen, I know that everybody's not the same. I know that everybody's not going to holler like Brother Tommy or, you know, everybody's not going to wave their hand like some of these other guys do. Uh, whatever. That's between you and God. But I know this. If God saved your soul and you're thankful for it, it should come out somewhere. An amen, a smile, tears, something. Well, I'm just not very emotional. I'd like to see you tell your wife that. You're just not emotional about this. Now you got yourself a problem. And, you know, I, we, we come to church this past week, and, man, as far as I know, man, I enjoyed every ounce of the revival meeting. But I'm going to be honest with you, and I believe God done some things for some of you, but I'm going to be real honest with you. I think there's some of you that God is still trying to deal with, and you pushed him away. And I, there's nothing I can do about it other than preach to you and pray for you. And that's exactly what I intend to do. But, man, you're getting in a place to where you harden your heart against God. And God's fixing to knock a knot on your head. Brother Nathan, you just put a bad spirit over the surface. No, I don't think so. I think things were a little bit tight in here already. And listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you as though I'm mad at you or, you know, you better stop this. Of course, that, that may be necessary. But I'm really trying to charge you like a father would charge his children. Hey, this is something that you need to take some consideration of because you're hindering you. You're hindering the rest of the church. But ultimately, you're stifling your fellowship with God. Brother Nathan, not shouting in a church service would stifle my fellowship with God. If God moves you to say something, if God moves you to thank his name, to thank him out loud. Listen, there's a difference between liberty in a church service and excitement. There's a difference. Brother Mike come down, and we haven't seen Brother Mike in a long time. He was the former pastor of this church, and he come down, and everybody's excited to see him, myself included. I love Brother Mike. Brother Mike, I, Brother Mike is one of my uh, first and foremost mentors. I've had a lot of guys that have invested in my life, but I've never had a fella outside of my dad. My dad's probably the first and foremost who's invested the most for obvious reasons, but Brother Mike is a close second. 
And I, when Brother Mike comes, man, in my heart, I'm, I'm excited. And this past week, I really tried not, you know, the, I think I, even when I took this church, I, I made comment, you know, when we have these meetings, man, this is like fellowship. This is partying. And, man, you know, the world has their parties. Well, we have fellowship around revivals. Well, this past week, I did my best not to really put a huge emphasis on the fellowship aspect of things because I really, of course, we did. <laughs> we did fellowship a lot, and there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. But I was really hoping that God would do something in your heart, and I, I was hoping God would do something in your heart through the preaching. That was really where my heart and mind was directed, and uh, you know, all the rest of the stuff, that's just icing on the cake, but there's a big difference between getting in a service and there being liberty, and that's not always manifested by folks, Woo! but sometimes it is. So you're going to have to get out of this mindset of, of God's going to move according to what's on your little list. I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as anybody. Sometimes I come in and I want to see people shout. I want to see people swinging from the chandeliers that we do not have. <laughs> I, I like that stuff. And then sometimes I come in and I'm a little bit melancholy. And sometimes it goes exactly how I feel, like as far as in my own flesh. And then sometimes it begins to go in an opposite direction. And I... A little bit, not grieved, but just a little bit irritated because I'm selfish just like anybody else. I said I'm selfish just like anybody else. But that has to be fought against. That has to be resisted, man. Uh, things are not always going to go in a church service like you want them to go. And you need to be mindful towards the Lord. I've never stood up here. I've never stood up here and threw a handkerchief on the ground so that all the young men in the church could run around and run aisles. I've never done that. And God being my helper, by the grace of God, I won't. Because I just, I don't believe in that stuff. But a church ought to be lively. You saved? What did God give you when you got saved? Didn't he give you eternal life? Okay, then that ought to manifest itself somehow, not, not like coming in and sitting like a bunch of bumps on a log. And listen, I, I tell you this, in some ways I feel a little bad talking this way. Of course, I've talked worse in the past, but I, it just is what it is. Some of you, that's all you do. You sit there and stare at what's going on in a church service. And the liveliness of this church is really carried by about four or five guys. And the rest of you sit there and you just kind of... It ought not to be that way, folks. If you're not comfortable being uh, a little animated here... You are not going to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. You say, Brother Nathan, this kind of talk makes me uncomfortable. You need to be uncomfortable. Some, some of you, that's your problem. You have gotten way too comfortable. I, I speak from experience, man. I know what this is like. I'm a Christian in mortal flesh just like you were. You heard Brother Mike say it. it didn't, it's not original with him. I'm sure he heard Lester Roloff say it, and Lester Roloff heard somebody else say it. But there is no preacher flesh and deacon flesh and church member. Flesh is flesh. And it's easy to get into a rut. We're going to come in and we're going to, Brother Tommy's going to pick three songs. And, you know, we're going to take up an offering. And, you know, somebody's going to sing some specials. And then we're going to have some preaching. And listen, what else can we do? Let me just ask you, what else can we do? The Bible doesn't give us latitude to come in and, you know, bring in girls in yogurt pants and let them dance around the stage. I, what else can we do? I mean, you want to bring in a TV and let's watch the Super Bowl? We can't do that stuff. That, that is not what church is about, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. But, I mean, what else can we do? The problem is not with what's going on. The problem is the fact that you've got cold to it. The problem is that you've got a little stale. You've gotten a little bit indifferent. And what I'm challenging you to do, what I'm charging you to do is stop yourself. Stop yourself dead in your tracks because I believe God's been trying to deal with some of you about that. And I don't know if you're just indifferent. I don't know if you're just ignoring it. I don't know if you're just outright rebelling against it. But, man, you can feel it in a church. Man, things about get ready to take off and folks really start to get their minds involved in what's going on in the church. Listen, you folks sing so loud during the congregational singing. And man, when I'm sitting here listening, I'm like, man, this is awesome. 
This is the way a church is supposed to sing. But there's an edge there that's missing. Am I not telling that there's an edge there that's missing? And it's been missing for some time. And what, it's, what it is is that you're not thinking about what you're singing. It is well with my soul. Some of you folks haven't stopped and thought about that in six months. I'd rather be an old-time Christian more than anything I know. Some of you would rather be at home. Well, Brother Nathan, just tell us to go home. No, I'm going to tell you to get right. Man, get, get right with the Lord and get your zeal back. Get your, get your fervency back. Get some gusto about you. And I think some of you have just by listening to you talk and watching what's going on this morning and watching what took place this week. I think some of you have. But this church is not going to be carried by two or three people. And it's not going to be carried by two or three families. This is a church. Two families. If, if there's a church of 15 families, two families don't make up a church. It's every single one of you, you youngins included. Yes, sir. If you're saved, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're just as much a part of this church as anybody else. Now, you may not know which side is up sometimes, but you can pray and y'all can pass out gospel tracts and you can do what God told you to do as a Christian. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. It's a fact. It's a fact. And so I, I challenge you this morning to think about those things. And whatever you do with the message this morning, I hope you take that home and pray about those things and give that some earnest consideration. All right, let's look in 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. I want to preach to you a message that I preached, I think it was last year, maybe even the year before. I had something out of Isaiah 59 to preach to you this morning, and then I was out here messing around with this water system last night. Uh, the, one of the water lines for the hydrogen peroxide busted a hole out the side of the hose, not the PVC, but the hose. And I got out there, and I was putting that stuff together trying to fix it. If we don't have hydrogen peroxide, boy, this stuff smells like rotten eggs. I think this church was built right over the vestibule of hell. But anyways, it's bad, man. It stinks horribly. But uh, my girl, she came. We got one little bathroom over there, and she came out of the shower. And, you know, we got to lock the bedroom door because we got that barn door on, on the bathroom door. And so she came out of the bedroom, and I walked into the bedroom, and I said, Whoa! <laughs> Man, something has gone bad wrong in here, and that thing was messed up. Anyways, uh, y'all didn't need to know all that. But I went out here, and I was working with this thing, and I was praying about some things yesterday. I recommend you pray and pray a lot. And so I was praying about some things yesterday, and the Lord very definitely put this message on my heart and mind. And so I'm going to try and preach it to you this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us this morning. And, Lord, I pray about the things, Lord, that's already been said. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord. God, I, I do believe you've done some things this week. And, God, I'm very thankful for that. And I don't want to cover those things up, act like nothing's been done. But, Lord, I, God, I, all I know is I see what I see and I, I sense what I sense. And, Lord, I, I pray you'd take those things, God, Lord, and the things that been said, and I pray you'd use it to help folks. God, help them to be mindful of what's going on, Lord, and the fact, God, that we do, uh, we are interacting, God, with a real God that can answer real prayers, and God, uh, it's in the midst of a real world with real problems, God, and Lord, I pray you help us with those things, and Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me, God, Lord, for the poor example that I've been, Lord, you told me, God, Lord, in First and Second Timothy, God, to be in it, and in be, you told Timothy, be thou an example, and I know that applies to all preachers. And God, I take responsibility for these things first and foremost. God, I could be a better example. And I pray you'd forgive me for my shortcoming, Lord, in that regard. And I pray you'd forgive me and help me, Lord, to do a better job, Lord, at leading your people. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. God, I, Lord, I can't, uh, Lord, I can't change anything that's already been done. I can't change any of the services that are past. But God, I can do
do something, Lord, that's right today. I can try to be right with you today. And I pray you help me with those things. God, help us today. I pray that you'd have your will and way in the service, Lord, this morning. I pray that you'd help me, God, not to try to uh, dictate to the Spirit of the Lord, God, how things are to be preached or anything like that. But, God, I want to be yielded to you. I want to be malleable in your hands. And, Lord, I pray above all, God, that you would take your word and do with it what you said you would do, and that's to deal with the hearts of the people that are here this morning. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning a message called, It's Not Personal. It's not personal. It's not personal. Uh, you come here, we, we come here and we sit in this church, and there's a bunch of people here, ain't there, this morning? There's a bunch of people here this morning. You so, said, Brother Nathan, there could be a bunch more people. Well, that's true. But then we'd have to build a building, and some of y'all grieved about that, ain't you? Uh, some of y'all are so resistant about building a new building. I don't know what that's all about. This place is about to fall apart. We need a new building. I'll just go ahead and put in a plug for it right now. And it probably costs about $250,000. There are probably some of you fellas in here that know how much it would cost. And maybe that's why you're so grieved. Yes, sir. Uh, the folks that built this building had absolutely no foresight. <laughs> they thought about, man, let's get, a, let's get something together so that we can meet in here. I don't even think this place had heat and air when it was put together. But anyways, that's a different subject for a different time. Maybe we'll preach about that tonight. Now we'll see who comes back tonight. Anyways, uh, uh, it's not personal. Uh, there's a bunch of people here this morning. And uh, when the ministry of the church rolls on, when preaching goes on and when things go on, uh, things are not personal. Th things are not personal. You know, a lot of times a preacher will stand up and he'll preach about things. And, you know, people take those things personally. Oh, that preacher, boy, he's preaching right to me. Well, maybe he is. But thank God for the forum that he's using. You know what I mean? Uh, now, I, I don't think uh, there are probably some preachers that probably are sitting around trying to construct messages about, you know, brother so-and-so has this problem. Let me see if I can cook his goose. But that's not really, that's not a good way of doing things. Uh, that, that's, that's a really poor way of doing things. Well, one thing I found out, one thing it, it really strikes me is that if I usually try to stand up and preach to people directly about something that I know, I usually come up real shallow. I usually hit, you know, something really superficial. I deal with the situation. It strikes me as though, well, okay, you said something about the situation, but the root of the matter is usually not dealt with. You know what I mean? You know, if Sister Susie came over here and she cussed Sister Sally out, well, you know, a preacher could get up in the next service and say something about that. Uh, but usually what's going to happen is you're just going to deal with the heart of the thing. Folks not going to get right. They're going to go home and be mad, which maybe you need to be made mad. That might get some of your enthusiasm back. John Wesley said he didn't think anybody could get saved unless they got mad first. And I think it may be that some of you, the reason you're not right with God is because you ain't mad about nothing. <laughs> it's been a long time since a preacher made you mad. Everything's so happy and so nice all the time. You live in a weird, weird world. You, you live in a, I didn't say we, you live in a weird world where everything goes happy all the time. This is not Disneyland. <laughs> it's not Disney World. Uh, but, you know, when a preacher stands up here and he maybe says something about you, what you're doing, or maybe if a preacher stands up here and says something about what I'm doing, you know, he's not calling me out by name. But Mike said some things this past week that, boy, God really used to just hit me. And I'm so thankful Brother Mike didn't say, now, Brother Nathan, this is directed to you. I don't recommend, I don't recommend for a preacher to stand up and start calling people out by name. Now, I called Brother Tommy's name out just a couple minutes ago, but that was not derogatory. I wasn't trying to say nothing about, nothing bad about Brother Tommy. It wasn't correction. That was, hey, Brother Tommy's shouting. Why ain't the rest of you? <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Uh, when you get to a place to where you start calling out and saying, you need to get right with God, what you're doing now is something to where you're pushing folks to a point to where they're not going to get right. Uh, let me explain something to you. In the Bible, God laid out a process for dealing with people. And if, if people in a church are not right, the first step in that process is preach to them. 
like what we're doing right now. You preach to them. And then if problems are still rolling on, then what you do is you go to them directly. You know, if they won't respond to the preaching, you preach to them and say, hey, God said, and you don't, you know, come over here and, you know, look them in the eye. Of course, maybe the Lord leads you to do that. That's very possible. Yeah. Uh, but you come over here and you just, you preach and you preach and you pray. You pray. You pray. You pray twice as much as you preach. Maybe three times as much as you preach. If you're not going to pray, preaching not going to do anything. That's why a lot of folks are leaving preaching now. Preaching is not broke. The preacher's broke. The preacher's got to be fixed. But anyways, you preach. And if they don't respond to that, then you pray and you pray. And if problems are still going on, then you go to them directly. And you say, now, brother, I see this situation. And uh, listen... We can't have this around this place. We can't, this stuff can't keep going on. You're going to have to fix this. And then they respond however they're going to respond. You walk away and you leave it alone. And then if the problems still go on, then you come over here and you grab another brother. And you go over here and you say, now listen, I've already dealt with you about this one time. Now, this is the second time and I'm bringing a witness like the Bible says in the book of Matthew and I'm telling you, you've got to get this thing right because this is not right according to God's sight. And then you leave that thing alone and you walk away. And then, then if there's still problems, then you bring it up to the church. That's when you start calling people's name out. Yeah. 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 That, that's when. When trouble goes on in a church, you give folks a chance. Yeah. You, you give them instruction from the pulpit. Yeah. I, now, I made a joke about it on Friday night. Brother Mike got up here and preached out of Proverbs 31, and I made a joke about it. And I said, you know, hey, we're going to take this thing and burn it off on CDs, and we're going to sell this thing for $10 a piece as marriage counseling. And it, I really said it in jest, but in another sense, I'm dead serious about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of folks need some marriage counseling, but they don't trust the program that God gave. Yeah. You say, what's the program? Preaching. That's a whole lot better. That's a whole lot better than a preacher sitting down with a, with a man and a woman and trying to have some marriage counseling and they tell their side and they tell their side and then the preacher looks at them both and says, you full of hell, both of you. You both of you probably lost. Well, now he could just stand up behind the pulpit and just say that from the pulpit, shooting broadside across the whole congregation. And God, the Holy Ghost, can take that stuff and apply it because I know God applies it because people walk out of the church saying, He's talking to me. He was preaching right at me. Well, maybe He was. Maybe He wasn't. But either way, you're walking away under conviction. And that's what we're looking for. You know why somebody has to walk over here? You know why somebody has to go outside of preaching? And come to somebody directly and say, hey, listen, I see you got this problem. You, need, you know why somebody has to do that? Why somebody has to start that process? It's because the individual who's being preached to is either not under conviction or ignoring the conviction. That's a fact. Otherwise, you could just make your way to an altar. Of course, you're not going to do that because you don't want anybody to think you're wrong. That's why when I preach or when a preacher preaches, we try to preach about 1,500 different things. That way nobody knows what you're responding to. Preach about marriage, preach about laying out of church, preach about drinking beer, drink, preach about smoking dope, or preach about holding grudges. Just preach about everything. Shotgun, just shoot way across the board. That way when you come to the altar, you're safe. You're coming undercover. Some folks still won't come, though. Not going to do business with God. Anyways, that's a big rabbit trail. But I said all of that to say, what's going on is, it's not personal. A preacher's not coming down and, you know, in front of everybody and saying, now, Wyatt, I see X, Y, Z. Boy, wouldn't that be bad? Wouldn't that make you feel embarrassed? And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not between me and you. It's not between the preacher and you. It's between you and God. And listen, if God can't convict your heart about something, I don't know what I could do about that. If you won't respond to the... Listen, have you gotten into the place to where it takes you to have a preacher come to you directly 
and say something, you're going to ignore God's conviction, but you won't ignore the preacher's conviction? See, people sit in a service, Brother Tommy, and they act like, I don't want no preacher telling me what to do. Then why is it that you only make a visit to the altar when a preacher is really, I mean, right there in your face and saying something to you directly, and yet God said something to you about it 15 different times, and you've never made a move. Yeah, right. But the moment a preacher comes to you one time, oh, I guess I better go to the altar. The issue is you're more afraid of a preacher than you are your God. Yeah. But the whole time that that's the case, people sit there in their seat. I don't want no preacher telling me what to do. You're a liar. Yeah. What your problem is, is you're a people pleaser. Yeah. You come down to an altar and, oh, that preacher, he really got me. Come down to an altar and say a couple of things and shed a couple of crocodile tears. And then you go back to your house and chew that preacher up to your wife and kids It just depends on who you're around. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a fact. But the ministry of the church is not personal that way. A preacher stands up and he preaches the truth, and God takes that thing and God makes that personal. But that's not my responsibility. That's not my responsibility to be sitting here and watching Brother Clint for 24 hours a day, six days a week, because, I mean, i got to rest on the Sabbath. It's a lot of work watching you. I'm going to watch this guy, and I'm going to pay attention to everything that's going on in this guy's life so I know what to preach next Sunday. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to pay attention to the book. My responsibility is to pay attention to myself first. <laughs> uh, and pay attention to the Bible. And then pray about what God's people need. And then stand up here and preach. And God can take those things and make personal application to you. So the ministry of the church is really, it's, it's a broad thing, is it not? Now, let me tell you how to mess a church up. Make it personal. Let me tell you how to get bitter in a church. Make everything personal. Let's talk about the preacher making it personal first. Oh, we just love you, and we want you to come back, and boy, you're just such a wonderful part of this. I really detest this term. And if you use it, I'm not going to hold it against you, but I don't like this because I see the mindset where it comes from. Church family, I don't like that term. I don't like it. I've never seen the Bible use it in the New Testament. It's a church. Yeah. This is not a family. Yep. You say, Brother Nathan, why are you stopping right there? Because I want it to sink in. Yeah. Well, it is a family, chapter and verse. Let's see it. Yeah. And I mean that. Now listen, it's true we call each other brother and sister. There's a reason we do that, because there's one reference in the New Testament that refers to the family, and it is the family of God. I believe it's in Colossians. It's there. But what's happened now is that people have tried to make the church such a personal thing that, oh, I just love you so much. And hey, there should be love in here. We should love each other. That's a fact. But this is, this is not an ooey-gooey, sentimental slush sort of thing. You know, to where I'm tripping over myself trying to make sure that you have all your needs met yeah. and making sure that you have everything that you need to be satisfied sitting in this church. The reason, listen to me, I believe with all my heart it could be that some of the reason that things are a little bit tight in here on a repeated basis is because some of you aren't satisfied with this place. And it's not because what's being put on the table is not sufficient. It's because your expectations are incorrect. Yeah, yeah. You didn't get your expectations out of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. You got your expectations from the church you used to go to. And if that's the case, why did you leave? If the church that you left was giving you what you needed or what you thought was right, why did you leave? I'll tell you why. Because you didn't think they were right either. Yeah. And so you, now you come to another church, and it don't have to be this church. It would be any church. And listen, I understand folks leave one church and go to another. I've done that before. I've done that before. 
But I, I've never left the church and then came to another church and said, well, the way my old church used to do it was, because <laughs> I wasn't there no more. I left the church in Delaware and came to a church in Georgia. It'd be very hard for me to come and insist that a church in Georgia act like a church in Delaware. They're Yankees. I left as quickly as I could. No. <laughs> don't, don't, don't that just make good sense? Well, see, you want to, I tell you, it's the fast track to bitterness. Make everything personal. What can I do for you today? I've never asked that question. I've never asked any one of you that question. You say, why? Because that's not what I'm concerned with chiefly. Now, if you're talking about, hey, you know, I need some groceries, you know, that's a different story. You know, hey, I need, you know, I need a piece of plywood on the floor in my house. That's a different story. I, but I'm talking about coming to folks and asking them, hey, what could I really preach that would really just minister to you? Because they don't know. You don't know. Some of you might. But most folks do not spend enough time in their Bible. And they don't spend enough time on their knees to really know what they need. When Brother Mike comes to this church or when any preacher has ever come to this church, I don't sit them down before the revival meeting and say, now, what we need is, or hey, I would really appreciate you preaching a sermon on, because I need some help. I don't do that. You say, why? Because the church, the church is not personal in that manner. It's not that way. The church is, it's much broader than that. And you want to you wanna build a church full of bitter folks, you just sit around and just, what, what do you need today? Uh, you need some coffee, don't you? <laughs> uh, after church, we'll have some coffee. Uh, well, listen, if I give Brother Michael what he needs during a church service, what's Brother Schuyler going to do? Yeah. Well, he'll be satisfied, but he's going to be bitter. That's how you make clicks in a church, by the way. You get about five or six people that you really, I really want to minister to these people because these people are so wonderful. They're all full of hell. Did I offend your sensibilities? Let me say it differently. You are all full of hell. Every single one of you. And most of the time I am too. Probably more so than y'all. I say that with charity, and I don't say that just to be a jerk. I say that because that's true. And so we're not going to walk around trying to figure out what Brother Michael needs or what Brother Willie needs or what Brother Matthew needs. No, sir. We've got to get on our knees and say, God, what do we need? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, preacher, you really ought to do that. No, you ought to be doing that as well. These church, these church doors are not closed until 10 o'clock in the morning at Sunday school. They're open. Lord, I try, I try to get in here. This, I'll tell you this, this back door's open all the time. I do lock the doors during the week, but before the services start, I try to open up those doors around 9 o'clock. You come in here before 9 o'clock, anytime if you want to come through the back door, that's not going to enter anything. You come in here and pray and say, now God, I pray you give us what we need today. God, we need something from you. I know this preacher, boy, he's... He's a goon sometimes, and boy, he don't know what he's talking about, but God, I need something from you. And Lord, I know Brother Tommy needs something from you, and I know Sister Callie needs something from you, and I know Brother Matthew needs something, and just start going through the names. Some of you folks, you've been here long enough to know where roughly everybody sits. Of course, some people move. Some people move, and then you've got to get readjusted. But you know where people sit, don't you? Well, you could pray about those things. Yeah, yeah. So get out of this mindset of it's just me. A preacher's not supposed to be in that mindset. Well, neither is the congregation. Yeah. You know why a lot of folks leave a good Bible-believing church? I'm just not getting fed down there. Well, what do you mean getting fed? Yeah. Amen. Right. You mean the church is not having enough church dinners for you? <laughs> That's exactly what a lot of people mean, Brother Curtis. Yeah. We, we just need to have fellowships once a month. We, we have three fellowships a week. Amen. Yeah, amen. Yeah. 
But because it's not personal, I just, I, I'm losing interest in this church. But what you've done is you've lost interest in God. Let me ask you something. What's available at a spaghetti dinner after a Wednesday night church service? What's going on at a spaghetti dinner on a Wednesday night after a church service that's not available in a church service? I'll tell you something that is there that's not at a spaghetti dinner, preaching. And I think that's what a lot of folks is, I think that's what's going on with a lot of folks. A lot of folks are more concerned about having fellowships trying to bypass church services because there's something going on in church that they're averse to. They're not averse to the fellowship, but there's something that goes on in church that they're averse to that they just don't want any part of, and it's preaching. Sing 15 congregationals and 15 specials, people have no problem with that. But the preacher preach an hour and a half like he did last Sunday, and it was wonderful. I enjoyed it. I felt it. I felt the resistance in my own flesh, and it was wonderful. I felt like I was finally getting right with God the last 30 minutes of the message. I just, you know, I got things I got to do at my house. Then you shouldn't have come. You should not have been, you should not have come this morning. See, what you did is you made a choice between what you had going on at your house and what you got going on here this morning. And some of you decided to come this morning so long as the church service doesn't get outside of what you expect it to be. The moment that God takes it and says, no, I'm not done. I'm going to go outside of what you want it to be. Oh, no, we can't have this. Then you'll have to find another church. You'll have to find the Methodist church down the street or First Baptist somewhere else. I got so tickled this past week, somebody right here in the church was telling me that they was talking to somebody that they worked with. Man, it, this really blessed my heart. Uh, they, would, they go to a church not too far from here, not in Folkestone, but they go to a church not too far from here, and they was telling them about all these programs that they have going on in church. And I'm not against a lot of programs. Some programs I am against. I'm against having plays in a church. God didn't choose plays. He chose preaching. Now, if you want to have a little Christmas play, you know, like uh, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, you know, and take up 10 minutes or 15 minutes and most of that's reading Scripture, fine. Uh, but, you know, all this stuff to where we got to put on a, a theater production, that's not what God chose. And got to do it, you know, once every two weeks. A preacher told me one time, he said, Brother Nathan, he said, my young people are going to put on a drama. <laughs> I thought to myself, I didn't say this to the guy. I thought to myself, I said, you don't have to put on no drama. Most churches are full of it already. <laughs> He's talking about a play. Uh -huh. Just get most of the women and turn them loose. You'll have a drama. Do you feel that? It don't have to be that way. That distracted me. Oh, where was I? Oh, this guy, he told me, he said, uh, he said this guy was telling him what program he had here and what program the church had here. And he said he asked him, member of the church here, I'm not going to say who it is, but member of the church here, of course, he probably told everybody and most folks probably already know who I'm talking about, but that's all right. That's, I'll let him tell about it. But anyways, he said, this guy said, what kind of programs y'all got down there at y'all's church? And he looked at the fellow and said, preaching. He said, no, no, I mean, like, what kind of, you know, like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I don't know. They have some kind of Reformers Unanimous thing and, you know, whatever. He said, no, I'm talking about, you know, like, after school programs. <laughs> Awana. Hey, man, if a church does that, I ain't got no problem with that. I am against taking kids out of the church service on Wednesday night. Kids don't need Awana. I know, I'm kicking all you gods this morning. That's your fault, man. I'm sorry you worship that stuff. You got the wrong God. God said preaching is what they need. I can't think of something better that these little youngins need more than preaching. Well, they just don't understand. Hey, my boy came up to me and said something to me the other night that really took me back. He said, Daddy, he said, God said that a man wasn't supposed to have long hair. He said, why did Samson have long hair? So I had to explain it to him. 
Oh, they don't understand, though. They understand more than what you think they do. That's a little noggin that's thinking. Would to God some of you adults would start thinking that way. When I just said that, Brother Chris, some folks went, yeah. It's a legitimate question. Well, why don't you get in the Bible and figure it out? He said, all we got is preaching. No, no, what, what other kind of programs you got? We got preaching. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we got preaching. Huh. As though that's not enough, I guess. Oh, so you really got to gotta reach the masses. You mean like Peter, James, and John in Acts 2? I know, you think you come up with something new that's going to work better than what God came up with in the book of Acts. You're behind the times. That's right. Oh, you know, you just got to bring in a TV and set it up and, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, which I think is coming up soon. Ain't it? Nobody's going to say anything because nobody watches the NFL because they're all kneeling. Sorry, rascals. Reprobates. Oh, Brother Nathan, you don't have to love your country in order to be a good Christian. I don't know about that. David loved his. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do whatever you want to do with that. I don't care. If this country is so bad, why are you here? Yeah. My daddy used to say, just, just give them the gate test. Open the gates and see which way they're going. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That was just a little extra right there. That wasn't in my notes. It's not personal. It's not personal. I'm not going to call your name and not going to let you try and come in here and dictate. And I don't want to come in here and dictate what I need and try to set the church up around those things. What, what the church becomes, uh, Brother Nathan, you haven't read your text. I know. I, bad influence this past week. <laughs> I blame it on him. Uh, but uh, folks get to a place to where, you know, you just, you know, you got to be mindful of people's individual's needs. No. No, I'm mindful of what God told me to do. That's what I want to be mindful of. And God's mindful of your individual needs. Yeah. The ministry of the church is not, it's not, it's not just you. It's not just you. It's not just me. Now, let's look here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and let's read the coveted verse that you want to know. <clears throat> verse 14, he says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. I think this verse was read this past week. And then he says, he says, Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the church. Of the truth. This is the church of the living God. This is the church of the living God. Now you go down the street and you find St. Francis of Assisi, that's not the church of the living God. That's the church of St. Francis of Assisi, who's not even a saint. There's more saints in here than there are statues in the Roman Catholic Church down the street. There's more saints in here than they got all these coronated saints down there. This is the church of the living God. This is where God's people assemble together, and they assemble together in the Lord's name, don't they? Yeah. Or is it? Did you come in, in God's name? You know, a lot of churches got out on their church sign this morning. It says such and such church or such and such Baptist church, such and such Presbyterian church, such and such Methodist church, and it ain't a church at all. Yeah. It's nothing more than a Masonic lodge or... Uh, you know, the Lions Club or something along those lines. Brother Nathan, what you got against the Masonic Lodge? I got everything against it if you give more allegiance to that than you do your church. Everything. Of course, it's, it's devil worship too. It's, it's demon worship. Now you say what you want to say. You can't get involved with that thing unless you say, hey, I'm looking for more light. Well, if you're a Christian, that's really blasphemy. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. What you need more light for? Yeah. Can I see your Bible? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a... You're going to go down there and sit in a dark room blindfolded with pentagrams sitting all over the place. Oh, there ain't no pentagrams. You're out of your mind. 
true. It's true. It's true. I'm sorry you're in the dark about that stuff. You got, got down there messing around with the Masonic Lodge looking for light, and all they did is blindfolded you, and you've been blindfolded ever since. Sit in there and a bunch of fellas sit around and wear funny hats and cuss and tell dirty jokes and drink beer. I don't understand it. I don't understand why you get more upset that somebody would talk about the Masonic Lodge, but you won't say a word when somebody says something negative about your church. This is the church of the living God. That's Mickey Mouse's clubhouse. That's where little boys go and sit because they don't want to grow up and get out of the sandbox. Free country, man, I'll talk to you just the same. I'm not going to hold that personally against you because it's not personal. Huh? Boy, you should see it from up here, Brother Curtis. I'm doing my best not to look too many people in the face. It's a fact. When I preach he preached against the Masonic Lodge. Tell me what else you're doing. Huh? It ain't personal. Yeah, that's right. It's right. Yeah. Uh, see, pe- people, people get defensive about what they love. Yeah. Insult my wife. Let's see how that goes over. Yeah. She'll beat you up. That's <laughs> 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 uh, true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I quit throwing plates at her because she threw them back. I'm just kidding. I've never done that. Never thrown anything at her. Uh, I've been too scared to. But anyways, <laughs> people get defensive about the things that they love. Yes, sir. How come you don't love what God loves? How come you don't love this place? God loves this place. How come you don't love it? I'm going to just preach about everything. Listen, why is it that you look so dissatisfied when you come to church? Well, Brother Nathan, you know, I got a lot of things on my mind. Okay, I, I get that, man. People do. I said it a couple of services ago. Man, most folks, when they come to church, they ain't even thinking about what the preacher's saying. Preachers stand up, look people in the face, and they're thinking about tacos. Preacher walk away. Man, they must be mad at me. No, man, they're thinking about what they got to do at work tomorrow. Well, let me ask you something. Why? Why don't you think about what's going on here? Why don't you think about what's being said? Why don't you think about the things of God? Listen, for some of you, this is the only place that you're challenged to think about God because you're not reading your Bible like you should. You're not. I was going to say, are you? But I don't want you to answer out loud, so I'm not even going to ask you. Some of you ain't praying like you should. Hey, some of you got some help about that. God pricked your heart, and now you're starting to, hey, carry on. Hold the fort, my friend. But some of you ain't got under conviction about that stuff yet. And this is the only place to where you're actually forced because of what the preacher's saying. You're forced to actually stop and think about what's going on in God's world as opposed to yours, which is really small. And you sit there like, I got to do this tomorrow at work, and... My wife and I, we got to really get this argument taken care of that we started last night at 1 o'clock. And you're not thinking about any. Why? It's on you. You should love this place. You, you should love this place. It's the church of the living God, and it's the pillar and ground of the truth. That's never been said of any other place. It's never been said of any other place. This is the pillar and ground of the truth. The responsibility here at this church is not to make you feel comfortable. And I hope you do. I hope you do feel comfortable. But that's not the responsibility of the church. You know what the responsibility of the church is? It's to make converts. You know what my aim is this morning? It's to convert you. You say, Brother Nathan, I've already been saved. Okay, that's step one. Now you need to become a disciple. 
Yes, sir. First job, get you saved. And the second thing, the thing that we're going to do for the rest of the time that you're at People's Baptist Church is try to get you closer to the Lord and try to get your commitment to the Lord deeper and stronger, get you more faithful to God. We're trying to make converts, not friends. Brother Nathan, you can't, you can't have a church without having people friends with each other. Well, I tend to see that friends are a byproduct of a church. You get folks walking with the Lord arm in arm with God. If this guy's walking arm in arm with God and this guy's walking arm in arm with God and they sit down next to each other on a front row and they just begin to talk a little bit, all of a sudden the subject of the Bible is going to come up because that's what they're thinking about. They're going to say, hey, let me show you what I saw in my Bible. And the other guy's going to say, yeah, that's pretty wild. Let me show you what I saw in the Bible the other day. And now you've got a friendship developing. That's what's supposed to go on at a church. That's what a church is supposed to make. It's supposed to make converts because this is the pillar and ground of the truth. This is the place where the truth is held up high. That's what's supposed to go on here. Everything else is just irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Don't mean that we should be cold. Doesn't mean anything along those lines. Let me get on with this message. Let me look at just a couple passages. I'll let you go. Romans chapter 10, very quickly. Romans chapter 10. I'll look at this one and we'll look at two other passages and I'll cut you loose, I think. Romans 10. Romans 10, very, very familiar passage of Scripture. You know, the disciples, uh, the Lord was talking to some fellows one time and he said some really hard things. And the Bible says in John chapter 6, it says from that time his disciples, uh, many of his disciples went back and fought, didn't follow him anymore. And you know what the Lord did there in John chapter 6? He turned and looked at his 12 and he said, you're going to go away also? Why would the Lord do something like that? That's kind of cold, ain't it? He don't care. We got a song. Does Jesus care when my heart is pain too deep for mirth and woe? Uh, why, would, why would the Lord do something like that? He's just a cold, indifferent man. I don't know. He died for your sins. I wouldn't say that's too cold. I can't think of a more warm, affectionate individual than Jesus Christ. The same individual that looked at his own disciples. When some fellows walked off, he looked at his own and said, you going to go away too? You know why he did that? Because it's not personal. If it's personal, the Lord would have chased after them fellas that like, oh, oh, hey, please come back. Please come back. I don't want you to leave. It's not personal. Look right here in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says, uh, a very long verse, ain't it? Y'all probably didn't even have to turn here. You got it memorized. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ain't that a wonderful verse? Now, let me ask you something. Where's your, uh, don't say anything. This is really, uh, it might be a trick question. Don't say anything. Let me ask you something. Don't say anything. Don't want you to be embarrassed. Where's your name in that verse? It's not in there. Is it? You see why it's in there? Where is it at on your page? Huh? It ain't there. Oh. I thought you meant the verse was not there. I was about to, you got a King James? Boy, you messed up. <laughs> You won't be preaching in this church no more. <laughs> I take everything back. No, your name's not. Is your name in there? No, it's not in there. But you know where you get in at? Whosoever. Now listen, I've heard some preachers say, you could take whosoever out and put your name right in there. And I understand the concept. I'm not going to part fellowship with a guy who says that because, oh, he's a heretic. That's not what I'm saying. I understand what they're trying to drive across, and it's true in a sense. You could take out whosoever will and put your name in there because you're included in that whosoever will. But the point I'm trying to make is Michael Curtin is not in that verse. But you're included. You know why? You know where you're included? In the whosoever. Have, have you all ever tried to invite somebody to dinner one time? And they like, it would be like a preacher standing up and saying, Now, 
we're going to have fellowship in the fellowship hall, and whoever would like to stay, you can come over and fellowship. And there being two or three people sitting in the service, I'm not going over there. And they get in their car and go home. And then you go to their house and say, why didn't you come? Well, I wasn't invited. Yep. <laughs> We're going to have fellowship. Whoever wants to come. You're not a whoever? Well, you just didn't invite me by name. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is you're narcissistic. Yeah. You're a self-centered jerk. Yeah. And everything has to be personal. My soul, boy. Huh? Have you ever dealt with somebody like that? It's very hard for me to have sympathy on somebody like that, Brother Curtis. I'm too much related to Stephen Irie. You know what my attitude towards folks like that is? Okay, go home. (laughs) I'm not coming down there because you didn't invite me by name. Okay. See ya. What you making for dinner? <laughs> huh? But see, things have got to be personal. Well, you know, I'm just not getting saved because, you know, Jesus didn't call me by name. For God so loved the world that he gave his only... Ain't that a wonderful verse? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Ain't you in that verse somewhere? The world, whosoever. Yeah, Yeah, but that's just not personal enough. No, you're self-centered is what your problem is. See, this is not personal in the way that you want it to be, in the way that you think it should be. It is personal. It is personal. But it's just not personal. When, When God makes things personal, it's conviction. When people want it to be personal, they want it to be exaltation. Hey, invite me over to your house. No, I don't want you to come over to my house. Oh, you're so mean. (laughs) What people want is they want to be exalted. Well, how come you turn away the conviction? How come you turn away when, according to the Old Testament phrase, when God spreads dung in your face? You don't like it when it's personal there. It's true. It's true. It's true. Look over in Psalm 26. Get Psalm 26 in one hand and then get John 5 in the other. Psalm 26 in one hand and John 5 in the other. Now, I I told you the way that you destroy a church is you just make everything personal. And I believe that with all of my heart. Now listen, let me put a little disclaimer in here. Let me, let me put a little disclaimer in here. If I don't shake your hand today and I don't greet you by name today, that's not because I'm trying to make things not personal. <laughs> uh, please don't take any offense to that. I'm so glad that Brother Mike preached the message that he did on Friday and said the things that he did at the beginning of the service. He made that little statement about, you know, uh, feeling a little awkward talking to women. I identify with that. You ask some of these ladies, there's some of these ladies in here that I do talk to on a regular basis, but it took me a long time to get over the inhibition in my mind to talk to them. No problem talking to their husbands. I got no problem talking to another guy because we got something in common. And man, the way that this world is, I don't want you thinking that I'm flirting with your wife. I don't want her thinking that I'm trying to flirt with her. I don't want anybody else thinking I'm trying to flirt with her. Brother Nathan, you shouldn't think about those things. I do. Man, it just, it makes me nervous. I don't have a problem talking to my mother-in-law because obvious reasons. I don't have a problem talking to Miss Faye or Miss Linda. I don't have a problem with that. Obvious reasons. But man, somebody my age, man, it just. And so until I know, until I know that there's an understanding there, the preacher's not looking for a wife. He got one and he's satisfied. I'm probably, listen, I, it's not personal. It is not personal. I'm probably just not going to come be best buddies with you ladies. 
I, I really hope, man. I, and I, boy, that stuff eats at my mind. I, this is a little bit of confession here, Brother Clint. That stuff eats at my mind because when a, when a lady shows up at the first, first time, I try to, you know, hey, how you doing? Uh, but after that, you know, I'm not going to come slobbering all over and, oh, won't you please come back? Because that can be construed in a wrong way. Yeah. I, man, I just, it blessed my heart when Brother Mike said that. I felt like I was the only guy that thought that way. not personal. It's just the way that it is. I, you ladies that's sitting in here, I want to be your pastor. Now, if that will allow me to be your friend, I'm okay with that. I really am. But if I am never what you would consider, and I really do consider all of you ladies to be my friend to some degree, uh, but if I have to be your pastor and that won't allow me to be your friend in that capacity, I will deal with that. I'll, I'll be satisfied with that because I'd rather be your pastor because that's what God called me to do. I want to be friendly. I want to be kind. I want to be polite. But I'm not really trying to be your buddy. Amen. It's true. Psalm 26, that really don't go with the notes, but I, I was really blessed by that being said this past week. Psalm 26, let's look right here in verse 8. The Bible says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house. And you know what the habitation of his house is? Look at that next phrase. And the place where thine honor dwelleth. You know what this place is? It's a place where God's honor dwells. This is where the Lord's honored. This is where the Lord. You want to know how to destroy this place? Just take that honor and put it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Now, hold your place there in Psalm 26 and look over in John 5. And look in verse, uh, look in verse 43. John 5, 43. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. Verse 44, this is what I want you to see. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? He said in Psalm 26, he said, I've loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thy honor dwelleth. And in John 5, he says, how can ye believe ye that seek honor one of another and not the honor that comes from my Father only. You want to know how to make this church a messed up place? Get people more worried about seeking honor one from another as opposed to the honor that comes from God alone. You know what you'll create? You know what I'll create if I do that? I'll create a church where belief is not possible. How can you believe Ye that seek honor one of another, and not the honor that cometh from God only. He said, you can't believe. He said, you guys are so interested. He's talking to the Pharisees. He said, you guys are so interested in being people pleasers and being exalted in the sight of each other that you've taken no consideration for the honor that God hands out. Well, you know what this place is supposed to be. This is supposed to be a place where God's honor is attributed to him. And you know what God does in return? God honors who he sees fit. And that's not just the guy standing up behind the pulpit and preaching. That's not what I'm talking about. God, God is the one that's responsible for exaltation in a man's life. He sets up one, he takes down another. He said, oh, oh boy, I, Wish I could remember it. He said, uh, he said, it doesn't come from the north, or he said, it doesn't come from the south or the east or the west. He said, but God is judge. God is judge. He sets up one and he takes down another. God's the one that's responsible for those things. And God's the one who hands out the honor. Well, what you do in the church is you just start looking around and saying, boy, I really just appreciate you. And hey, maybe I could as a pastor get to the place to where I say thank you a little bit more to folks. All you folks that worked so hard this week and during the fellowships, I appreciate it. But just make that the basis of a church. Make that the basis of fellowship in a church. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to create an environment where people can't believe God because what they're going to be so distracted with and taken up with is, you didn't tell me thank you. Yeah. 
you didn't give me a pat on the back. I do all this stuff around the church and I'm not appreciated. I put in all these $1 bills and nobody said thank you to me for giving so much in the offering plate. Hmm? That's the way a lot of people look at tithing. I put in all this money. I should have a say here. No. No. Once you put that money in the plate, that's now God's money. Can I get a refund? No. Not at all. I'll tell you what. You want a refund? You give, me, give God back all the blessings he's gave to you. Hmm? Give your wife back. Give your children back. Give your house back. Give your cars back. Give your salvation back. Oh, I can't do that. Then shut up. Shut your cotton-picking mouth. It's, it's not your money. You put it in the plate. That's God's. Well, I just think I should know where every dime goes. Mind your own business. I'm a member of this church. It is my business. Book, chapter, and verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, Brother Curtis, and he says, I'm getting ready to send y'all some money. I'm going to send it by the hand of Titus. Who do you reckon he checked with before he did that? Somebody took up an offering and brought it to him, Brother Tommy, and said, hey, we heard that there's some needs going on down here in, Car down here in Corinth. Brother, Brother Paul, we just want to be a blessing to you. Here you go. Take this. Paul's sitting there looking at it and said, I know some folks that could use this took that money and said, Titus, you need to take it down there to those poor folks down there in Corinth. I sent it down there and give it to them. And the folks that came and gave it to him and said, uh, we need a yearly tax or we need a yearly, we need a monthly statement about where you sent that money. No. Not in there. Amen. How come you don't ask where Comcast sent their money? <laughs> hmm? Apple and Microsoft both is supporting faggots left and right. Yeah. And you keep sending money there. Yeah. But a church pays a preacher, keeps the lights on, sometimes keeps the heat on, sometimes they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they got all this stuff that they're just trying to get by with. And you upset about where that church sent their money? You know what you've done? You've made it personal. Yeah. It ain't personal, folks. It ain't personal. I hope, I, I hope you realize that this is the greatest institution. This is the greatest organism that God has ever come up with. This is not a personal thing. God has his own mind about things. And you better let God have his will and way. Don't get in the way of that thing. Let God do what he wants to do. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord, this morning. I pray, God, that you take these things and use them. And God, Lord, uh, glorify your own name. God, glorify your own truth. Lord, you, you're God, Lord, not, not us. Lord, you made us. God, we didn't make you. And God, we have no power over you. Lord, I pray that you take these things. Lord, use them for your glory and honor. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, some folks is around the altar this morning. Uh, so, Brother Nathan, you've been a little bit long. I know, but I did what I felt like God wanted me to do. And I encourage you, do what God wants you to do. Do what the Lord wants you to do, and I know he'll be pleased with it.